time, both on the front end and the back end. Um, the main thing is to remember uh, it's really conversational. So you may say or share something, and then that'll kind of spark another question that I may just throw at you. So it's very much like we're just sitting at Starbucks kind of talking about like what your role is, what do you do, what does that look like? Um, and then with the mindset of most of the people that listen are women leaders. So they're women's ministry leaders, pastors, wives, that kind of thing. And so um, even something that you think would be super practical that um, you wouldn't think of to like go through the steps, it's super helpful for people that aren't in your context to understand like what do you do and what does that look like? Um, And then if we have enough time at the end of the program, then we'll just kind of talk through like how has it been for you developing as a leader? What has helped? um, What have you struggled with? You know, some more of those kind of personal questions and conversations. So Mm -hmm. great. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Um, the other main thing is to try to not move very much. I know you're, I think around the desk trying to get things ready. Um, but I don't hear it anymore. So just try to be real still and wherever the microphone is, um, I guess on the laptop or whatever you're kind of speaking into, if you can make sure that you're speaking directly into it and not moving a lot, whenever you talk, like a lot of times, whenever people talk, they'll move their hands and kind of move their face around. And then it makes the audio go in and out because they're moving when they're talking. Okay. (laughs) So, um, but other than that, I think that's it. So do you have any questions? Perfect. I think, I think we're good, but I'm glad you told me about the don't move and all that stuff. Because, it's so hard. Know, yeah. Cause <laughs> I, you know, cause I, I know you hear it, you know, and probably the people you've talked to, you hear it on their side. So Yes. Yes, it's hard. Well, and I like I say that and then I move my hands all over the place. And so I hit my microphone like I it is so hard for me to be still when I'm talking. So um, (laughs) this is more just lessons that I've learned in doing it wrong. So but either way, there's not a lot of editing. But like if something crazy goes on, then I can always go back and cut it out of the show. So that's not a big thing. So all right. Okay, well, let's get started. And the way you say your last name is Archer, correct? Okay, perfect. All right, let's get started. Hey, friends, welcome to another episode of At the Table. I am so glad you're here today and you are listening in on the conversation of women in ministry and leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so much is going on, and I love that you guys are joining the conversation, that y'all are sharing this with your friends that are in ministry. And today we get to tackle something that we haven't tackled before, urban ministry and Louisiana. I have not had anybody from Louisiana on the podcast yet and now we get to introduce to you Jess Archer. Jess, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much Jackie for having me. (laughs) Yes, so we were talking before we started recording that you actually just got in from Virginia because you were over at the IMB earlier this week. So how was that trip? Yes, it was very nice. It was the um, IMB Advocates Forum and it was very nice to get together with other people from around the nation and talk all things IMB and missions. So I had a wonderful time. Good. Was it cold up there? It was cool. It was very chilly and it was um, a nice relief from the weather in Louisiana. (laughs) It was was chilly. It was great. I was about to say that's probably a little bit different than um, the Louisiana climate. So (laughs) why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, just the get to know you questions. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And how did you get connected to the SBC? Okay. Well, I grew up, I was born and raised in South Louisiana. I grew up in a small hometown, Cutoff, Louisiana, 
and that's about an hour south of New Orleans. I grew up uh, going to New Orleans a lot when I was um, younger and all throughout my um, childhood, all throughout life. And then um, I went to Nichols State University when I was a college student, and that's about an hour away from New Orleans. And through there, I was very involved with BCM. I didn't grow up in the SBC. I grew up in the Catholic Church. We went to church all of my life, but being introduced to believers and getting to know Christ on a personal level and having that relationship with, with God and being introduced to who Christ is in college was pivotal for me. And that's where I began, began my relationship with Christ. And then that's how I was introduced to the SBC. So the Lord in His miraculous ways put people in my life. And that's really where I was introduced to the SBC was in college. Okay. All right. So tell me a little bit, where'd you go to school? Like what BCM were you yes. a part of? I was a part of Nichols State University BCM, and that's located in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Thibodeau. Okay. And where are you from? What was the name? Cutoff? Uh, yes. Cut that's off. the name of the city. Yes. Okay. Very, very small town. It's about an hour away from New Orleans. Okay. All right. That gives us a little bit of context. So so looking back in your time at the BCM and then um, even just kind of growing as a new Christian and getting to ne- connected to the SBC, what are some of those things kind of looking back that you see God just birthing within you, um, both for ministry and um, even just leadership and how uh, during that time in your life, you're able to really kind of start seeing the Lord work and use some of those lessons and that formation to what you're doing now? Yes. So it was through the ministry of BCM that I was um, I was saved, I was baptized, and I was discipled. And once those things happened, the Lord opened the door for me to serve on leadership at the BCM. And then I was later a semester and summer missionary through the North American Mission Board and then later a summer missionary with the International Mission Board while I was at seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So the Lord opened the door for me to serve in various capacities, Mm. um, serving in various capacities of mission work and then allowing me to serve in different areas of the SBC. And once I finished my degree at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, I was able to serve on church staff in the greater New Orleans area at the same time I was a student. And then that later led to where I am today. And I currently serve um, Louisiana Baptist. That's the Louisiana Baptist Convention. And then I am currently the children and youth missions education strategist there. So it's good to see how, you know, just looking over my life, just good to see how the Lord has connected all the pieces. I was able to serve in the area of mission work and doing summer and semester missions and that type of thing. And then how the Lord brought it all together and how I'm currently serving in a missions role at the state convention. So it's, it's awesome to see how the Lord connects all the dots and, you know, 
shows us many different things in yeah. that area. Yeah. Okay. So when you were at the BSM, maybe even just kind of starting off, um, did was missions really like on your radar or was that something that really kind of got birthed and then you just started taking the next step and the next opportunity as doors were opened? Or is that something that looking back you've seen has just really been a heartbeat of yours from the beginning? That is definitely, definitely something that was birthed. Okay. Um, our BCM was phenomenal. We had a phenomenal leader, Brother Tim LaFleur. He's currently at Long Hollow Baptist Church, and he was phenomenal in teaching us and discipling us and teaching us about missions. The BCM's, um, you know, the vision of the BCM was to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ and that was where I was discipled. And that was where I really learned about missions. And the Lord, after salvation, the Lord really stirred in my heart um, and gave me a passion for missions and gave me a passion to see people come to know Jesus, um, come to know Jesus Christ through salvation. And, you know, it, it was really, it's really neat to, to look back and see how the Lord brought it all together. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So you mentioned that you are a grad of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and you are actually headed there pretty soon, I think, yeah. um, to actually teach on inner city and urban ministry. So I kind of thought we would maybe unpack, don't give all of your goodness away, um, but I thought that we would maybe kind of chat a little bit about that and what that looks like. We haven't had anybody on the show that really um, has served in that capacity. And so why don't you talk to us a little bit about what does inner city ministry look like? Yes. So um, I'm so thankful that I get to go to the seminary next mm -hmm. week and teach at the, at the conference. It's called Gospel in the City, and it's a partnership between the seminary and the North American Mission Board and Louisiana Baptist. Okay. So I've been asked to teach a session on healthy children and youth ministry in the urban context. So I'm delighted to teach that because um, it's what I studied at seminary. And then also I'm able to serve currently on my church staff in Alexandria. And at that conference, we're going to look at um, what a healthy children and youth ministry looks like. And we're going to also see the impact that that healthy church has on the Traje trajectory of a student, the life trajectory on a student in the urban context. So we're going to unpack all of that and look to see what a healthy ministry looks like and look to see um, ways a person can be an effective minister of the gospel in the city. Hmm. So what exactly, maybe like the top one or two things, whenever you're talking about a healthy ministry, a healthy uh, context there, what are maybe some top two things that you would say bring about that health? And I'm also really curious, specifically even just with your experience, how do you see inner city work being different than maybe urban, or not urban, suburban, rural, that kind of thing? Um, what makes it so unique and what needs to be healthy in in order for it to actually do its job in the inner city? Okay. Well, I would start off by saying that a healthy children and youth ministry, I think it strives to meet the children in their physical, spiritual, emotional, 
and social needs of the whole person. So we'll look at that first. And I think that's, you know, in any ministry, um, whether it's rural or whether it's in the urban context. And then I think too that um, any ministry, and this one in particular, the ministry needs to have a gospel focus. Mm-hmm. We, um, I think we as believers, uh, we're given that command by Christ and we want to see people come to know who Christ is and, you know, and explain that to people. And um, I think we need to, um, whenever we're ministering in the urban context, we need to unpack it in a way that that person understands what we're talking about. We need to get on that person's level. Sometimes I think um, as ministers of the gospel, we speak in a language that some people may not understand. So it's getting on their level and explaining things um, in a very real way to where they can understand and make that response. Mm, That's good. That's good. So yes. So what do you think, um, as you've done inner city ministry, what are some of the challenges that you see that are really kind of hard to overcome um, and that you even need to be mindful of as you're going in and you're reaching and you're trying to get on a certain level? You know, like obviously anytime that we go in and we do ministry, we want it to be specific toward the people. We want to meet those physical needs like you're talking about, but also those spiritual needs. So as you've kind of walked through this and done this for a while now, what are some of the things that you see that are like challenging that make it a little bit more difficult and maybe that um, those of us that are wanting to step into urban ministry, like what do we need to be aware of? Yes. Okay. So I'm just thinking of just a few Um, as I've served in the urban context and as I've, you know, ministered throughout the years, there's just a few that come to mind. And I would say that the first one would be a person has to love um, the city that they're reaching and a person has to go in as a learner. Mm, You know, there's so much to learn from people who already live there And there's, um, it says a lot when a person's coming in and they genuinely love the people that live there. They Mm -hmm. love the city. You know, there are things in the city that um, break our hearts. But to have a genuine love for the city and love for the people, I think if a person comes in and doesn't have that, that would be a major challenge. Sometimes um, I've I've also seen this too. if we're not good listeners, that can become a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that um, if we're going into a new context, I think it's important that we listen to people who've already been there, that we listen to people who are already on the ground, who are, who've already invested their lives, people who've already gone before us. I think it's wise to surround ourselves with those people and listen, hear what works, hear what doesn't work, hear um, just different things about the city from those people. I think if we rush in too quickly, that can actually hinder us. Mm, Um, So I think being good listeners and then um, if we try to race too quickly into the context, that can hinder us. I know um, people in the urban context, you know, it, it might take a while for that person or those people to trust us, to mm-hmm. trust new people. 
coming in and wanting to minister. So I think um, that would be a big one. If we race in too quickly, that would be, I could see that as a challenge. And then one last one I'm thinking of is in the city, you know, there's going to be people who, you know, who we have differences with. These are other fellow believers. And I think the overall goal is to see people come to know Christ. It's his mission. And I think if we're not on the same team, if we're working in competition with each other and other ministries in the city and in the body of Christ, it can hinder the work. I think differences could be celebrated, but keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's seeing people come to know Christ, is what we should keep our eyes on. So those are just some things. I think if we're not, um, if we're not careful, those can be big challenges that we come across Yeah, ministering in the urban context. Okay, so I'm a big believer in asking good questions um, and listening. So I love that you are already like kind of hitting on this. And so let's get super practical. And you may have to think of like some specific interactions that you've had um, with people that you've ministered with. But let's kind of talk about a little bit of what are some good questions as you are kind of stepping into a context that maybe you're not familiar with, that you're not even a part of, right? Like if you're coming yes. from a completely different part of the city, um, of the country even, and you're taking those first steps of trying to meet and engage people that you want to love and show Jesus to, what? let's get like super practical. What are some of the questions? What are some of the ways just starting to engage that conversation? And again, this may be like just some personal ways that you do it. Um, But I think it would be really helpful because I think in any context, right, like we want to ask good questions. We want to hear where other people are coming from. So what are some of the ways that you maybe kind of engage that conversation, start that interaction with people? Yes, I would ask. um, Okay, so here are a few questions that I would ask. I would ask um, just people whether I'm thinking maybe a fellow believer. I would start off by asking, where is God at work? You'd ask that person, where is God at work and where can I join him? There there are going to be believers in this city. There are going to be other people who've gone before you. And there are going to be other people who will come after you. So I would ask that person, whether it's a fellow minister, and say, where is God at work and where can I join him? Another question I would ask is, what's the predominant religion or denomination here? Mm-hmm. Okay, I would also ask, um, you know, were people receptive to the work of the ministry in that neighborhood? Someone may not be a follower of Jesus, but they may be receptive to the ministry that's happening in the neighborhood. And they may be receptive to the, the, the the local church, which may be right around the corner. Um, I would also, um, I, I would also ask people, um, believer or non-believer, what do people like to do in their spare time? Mm, what are the things one. that yeah. drive the city? What are the things that um, the people in the city get excited about? What are the things in the city that um, you know make people heartbroken over it's just asking questions um, to get to know 
what drives the people in this city, what, what, what are some heartbroken things that have happened in the city, and just getting to know people, trying to get to know people on a more personal level. Hmm. I think people can really see if a person who's wanting to come in and minister is really genuine and authentic. I think, um, I think believers, especially, and non-believers too, can really see if a person's authentic and if their life reflects the gospel. And I think if we go in as learners and wanting to help to make a city a better place because of the gospel, I think we would find um, people on our side and people ready and willing to help us and mm. ready and willing to help us understand and get to know that new place we're wanting to minister in. Okay, that's good. Okay, and so a follow-up question that I have, um, because you talked about um, like the people specifically that you're ministering to there, that there may be within the inner city this reluctance to um, – to trust, to allow you in. And I would imagine just because of a lot of brokenness and stories, you know, that kind of lead up into their life, um, that it would be hard to allow people in, um, almost kind of that like self-preservation, you know? Um, and so how are ways that you would coach um, women and men in ministry to be able to really kind of break down some of those barriers of allowing people to have us come into their lives. Like, obviously like we're there, right? Like we're, we're, yes. we're present. We want to love you. We want to meet needs. Um, so what are some ways that you've seen as you've ministered in new Orleans of what has worked to that people really respond to and allowing you in? Yes. I would say, um, one thing when I served at my church on the West bank, which is in greater new Orleans, I went in um, knowing that I would be there as long-term as the Lord would allow. Um, I grew up not far from there, and it's it was also um, great for the church people to see that I wasn't just coming in for 18 months and moving on to my next ministry assignment. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was wanting to be there. I was wanting to plant myself there. Um, so I think that was really helpful for the people to see like, oh, Jess is going to be here for as long as the Lord says she needs to be here. Another thing that I see, um, which is very helpful for ministering in this context, is if a person lives in the area or the neighborhood, that, um, that's really helpful for people um, who live there to see, oh, this person's really invested in us as a mm -hmm. group of people. This mm -hmm. person's going to live here. She's He or she's going to plant themselves here. They're going to get to know the neighborhood. They're going to get to know the people and the city as a whole. Like they are really invested here. They, they want to be a part of this city. So I've seen, I've seen those two specifically. Yeah. I think there's almost just kind of this authenticity, you know, that comes with it. Like if you want to be with us, then be with us. Right. Yes, like, exactly. and that there's going to take time. Um, that I think a lot of times in ministry, especially whenever we're going in kind of like missions, um, we think like, okay, I'm here, let's get this thing done, you know, and the Bible is very clear that relationally things take time exactly. um, lots of intentionality and conversations and that kind of thing. And I think a lot of what you're saying is echoing 
thing. Um, like put your roots down and love the people and then trust God with the time and the soil that he's tending to, right? Exactly. Um, that there's no formula. There's no like specific way of you do this five-step plan, you know, when people will trust you and let you in. Um, so much of what you're talking about is just go in and love people and be with the people and be committed to those people, right? Exactly. Like for exactly. their good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, that commitment part is huge, you know, because I guess in the past, these people have seen people come and people go, but um, just having a person put boots on the ground and put roots down is uh, very exciting. Hmm. That's so cool. Okay. I want to spot like a little bit about just your personal journey as a woman and leadership in New Orleans um, and just kind of packing out a little bit of what have been some of your struggles and maybe insecurities as you've obviously, you know, in your story, you just kind of took the next step of the next thing that was open that God was kind of leading you to. And so as you look back on your leadership journey, what are some of the challenges that you really had to overcome and maybe even like some encouragement and coaching and how did you overcome them? <laughs> okay. I would say one challenge for me personally, it may not be another person's um, challenge, but I think the, the biggest thing for me to overcome was public speaking. Hmm. You know, you would think, oh, maybe this, maybe that. But for me, it was public speaking because I was always a person who, when asked to do something, I would want to run to the background. <laughs> I would want to say, Lord, if there's anyone else that can do this job, please ask them to do it. Kind of like what Moses said mm. um, in the book of Exodus, you know, when speaking to God's people. But um, I think that public speaking part from my time in college, my time in New Orleans, and then the beginning of my time here in Alexandria. That was a huge thing for me. That was a, it was, it was something I had to get on my face before the Lord about and allow him to work through me because that was an irrational fear that I had, but the Lord was able to work through me and change my heart and change my mind about it. Hmm. So was it, did you take any like practical steps? Like, did you get a mentor or was it just a lot of like prayer and wrestling with the Lord on like, okay, I have to get up and speak tomorrow. Um, so what did it look like? Cause I think this is interesting. This is not something that I necessarily struggled with, but there's a list of other insecurities. So I'm curious, I would imagine there's a lot of women that kind of step into leadership and they're more kind of behind the scenes. They're the doers, the administrators, you know, they have, um, a heart not for wanting to have the microphone. And so I think this is a really practical kind of conversation. Um, what are some ways that you kind of conquered that fear also along with prayer, obviously? Um, but then even what are some ways that you just got better at it, that you got more comfortable with that fear? Yes, I would definitely say what you just mentioned. The number one thing was prayer and just praying to the Lord and not giving in to these fears. These fears started in college through a public speaking class um, that just didn't go well. And I think it just followed me through college and through seminary, but through prayer and fasting and just standing on the promises of God mm. and just talking with him, you know, and him allowing me to grow through that and just practice and getting in front of other people and doing what the Lord's called me to do and giving him the glory. Um, 
I think that's how the Lord was able to, and still is able to use me and me wanting to be obedient and giving him the glory and all that I do is the main ways that I was able to work through this. Yeah, definitely. I think it's funny um, because I think we all have these different weaknesses and they're obviously not something that we want to just like throw out there and talk to on a podcast. So I appreciate you (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, tackling that. Um, But what's interesting, I think, um, looking at my own life and, you know, talking with my mentor and those kind of things, these weaknesses that we have are the very thing that not only humble us, right, but constantly keep pushing us to the Lord for strength and for wisdom and discernment and all of those things. And so... I think it's important in the conversation for women leaders that, you know, our goal is not to lead, um, like fearlessly. Our goal is not to lead perfectly. I think our goal is to lead humbly and even just aware of those insecurities and those fears. And then using those fears to really kind of drive us into our relationship with the Lord and our dependence on the Lord as we lead. Would you agree with that? I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. Yes. It's so hard to, I think, you know, because we get very caught up in how can we develop, you know, and how can we be better? And so I can see, um, you know, my A-type self, like having that fear of speaking. And so I would enroll in a class, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. how am I going to do all the things? And those may be good things, but I think there's such importance and um, just simplicity, like you said, to just get on our face before the Lord and pray and acknowledge our weakness and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this without you. And that is more of a desirable and honorable place to be, I think, um, that God wants us to be there instead of trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we fix this insecurity or how do we mask this problem, you know? Um, So I just, I really love how you kind of push us and encourage us to whatever our insecurities may be, um, that we use that as an opportunity to really just humbly come before the Lord and say, this is where you're going to show up despite me, right? Um, So I love that encouragement from you. So as we close out a little bit, I'm kind of curious, um, what are some of the things, maybe it's a slogan or a book, um, just anything just within your leadership journey that has really helped you as you've navigated the different seasons and maybe some of the different struggles of ministry and being a woman in ministry? What are some things that have really helped shape you and kind of move you on? Yes. Okay. So there's a few things, uh, that I'm thinking off that thinking of that come right off to the top of my head. I think we as believers and we as women in ministry need to be obedient to everything God's calling us to do. There are going to be some things that we're going to say, Lord, it's too hard. Lord, it's out of my reach. But I think it's so awesome to see how when we're obedient to the Lord, how he can use us. Mm-hmm. So I would that would That's be good. a first one is just being obedient to everything that God's calling us to do. And I think, too, um, definitely in my role, but this can help other people, is to be teachable and humble. You know, there are people we can surround ourselves, um, people that we can surround ourselves with, and people we can learn from. We can learn from older women. We can learn from younger women. And I think when we have that teachable attitude and that teachable spirit, the Lord can do mighty things with us. And just Mm -hmm. keeping a right view of ourselves in the Lord by being humble. Um, I think this is also something um, is true as well, is that we as leaders, we need to make sure we're spending daily time in the Word. Yeah, We can't pour out if we're not allowing the Lord to pour into us. 
by spending that daily quiet time with him and just resting in him and studying his word and sharing his love with other people. So I would say those things are what helped me um, in being just as a leader and just as, you know, as we go about our days and ministering to other people, those are vital. Um, they have been, they've been vital in my walk with the Lord. Hmm. What about, um, let me ask you this one last question, but as you've kind of walked through just harder seasons, and I would imagine, you know, ministry in an urban context is not an easy thing. Like you are stepping into just a lot of brokenness and like we've already talked about, like mm -hmm. you've got to invest a lot of time and energy. So maybe with some of those seasons um, to where it's hard and you're tired, how would you encourage women that are maybe kind of in a season to where they're they're just tired and maybe kind of listening a little bit more to the lie of the insecurity than prayer and being with the Lord. How would you encourage them today? Yes, I would say a season doesn't last forever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it seems like a season may go on and on, but I think we could learn something in all of our seasons of life. Um, something, I, something else I would say is the Lord is with us in those seasons and when we grow closer to Him, He teaches us different things that maybe we would not have learned had we not been in that particular season. And then also balance. I would say um, balance in just emotional, spiritual, social, physical, just having a right balance of everything and allowing the Lord to work in our lives and, um, you know, getting the rest that we need and making sure that we're healthy and whole so mm. we can pour into other people and that's really good to other people yeah that's very good very good well thank you so much jess i appreciate you coming on and battling maybe some of that talking into a microphone yes. <laughs> um, with coming on today i really do appreciate it it's been so fun getting to visit with you and um, i don't even think we got to mention we got to serve on credentials committee this last yes, uh, summer exactly. and that's how we got to um, know one another and just hear your story and so it is just so cool and exciting to hear all of the things that god is doing in louisiana and new orleans and alexandria um, and there through the state convention and your role there. So I uh, just want to say thank you for coming on the show with me today and sharing some of your wisdom. Yes, thank you so much, Jackie. And I want to say thank you again for everybody listening to this episode of At the Table. We want to make sure that you share this with other women in the SBC. And just to give you a heads up, if you haven't been in the Facebook group and seen on social media, we are having a meetup at the Lifeway Women's Forum next month on in November. And so you want to make sure that you hop online, check out the link, and then RSVP your spot. There's only a couple limited spots available, but we are looking forward to seeing you, hearing your stories, and encouraging one another side by side. So we hope you have a great week and we will see you next week for another episode of At the Table.